Hello, my name is Ian McNaughton, and you're listening to The Last Great Stanley Cup Finals, a Speak Your Peace series. We review every game from the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals between the Boston Bruins and Vancouver Canucks 10 years after the games have been played. On this episode, SYP creator Scott Conkin, Ravisher Dollywall, Kiefer Nada, and I look back on Game 1 from the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals, which saw Rafi Torres score the game-winning goal with 18 and a half seconds left in the third period. Yes, Rafi Torres scored the game-winning goal and was on the ice in the final 30 seconds of a Stanley Cup final game. Be sure to catch our recap of Game 2 on June 4th and follow along for the rest of the series as we look back on the last great Stanley Cup Finals. Enjoy. All right, welcome to uh, the special edition Speaker Peace podcast. This is the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals recap. Uh, I at least called it the last good Stanley Cup Finals because I think it was the last good Stanley Cup Finals uh, 10 years ago between the Vancouver Canucks and the Boston Bruins. Uh, my name is Ian McNaughton. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, coming on to the podcast to discuss game one first, SYP creator Scott. Scott, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. My internet works finally, and we're going to get a good pod in. Hopefully it holds up. I don't know what's going on with the internet these days, but we're, uh, we're kicking it. We're going to have some fun for sure. Are you, are you shipped 5G like uh, someone else in this uh, call is? Yes. Okay. Nice. Just, just get my I'm vaccinated sticker right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Put it above the NHL logo. Also joining us, uh, SYP creator Rav. Ravisher, are you wearing the uh, Pedersen jersey right now? Uh, yeah, the Pedersen Skate Classic jersey. Beautiful. Is what I'm wearing. I have. I don't know what this was. I, that one, I don't know what I did, but I try to get like some Vancouver shit up. Well, Nashville, uh, we'll talk about it later on. They played Vancouver in the playoffs during, oh, that's, yeah. during <laughs> yeah. 2011. So there you go. There's your connection. That 117 uh, guy did stuff to them. Yes, yes, exactly. And then finally, uh, our, our last but not least guest, uh, SYP creator Keith. Keith, how are you? Good, good. Back on the pod. It's been a while and stuff, but anything Canucks related, I'm all for it. And so here I am today. All right. Wonderful. Uh, so let's start. Uh, we'll start with Keith and Rab because they're the bigger Canuck fans compared to Scott and I. Uh, when I bring up just the 2011's playoff run for the Canucks, what is, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Memory, thought, uh, feeling? Well, I think the main one, just like the memories, is uh, Burroughs slaying the dragon. It was like Burroughs the and the BXA goal. The oh, the BXA goal is like, <laughs> oh, that one. That like, uh, in my books, sure. that one is like a bit better for me because, like, I don't know, I just had a feeling we were going to win that game. But, like, because I was a kid, so I'm saying, oh, I think I were just going to win this game. And I, just, I had a feeling. But, like, I don't know, that that uh, BXA goal is just like, damn, we're actually going to the finals. Um, that one, I remember watching that and it was actually like that that feeling of like oh my god like it's 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 happening yeah. <laughs> oh my god scott but, what do you scott what do you remember the most from the 2011 run for the canucks yeah again similar to the boys it's like again the Burroughs goal was is is still timeless one of the best overtime goals in playoff history i would say top five arguably yeah. um the, the exit goal was pretty sick i just remember how dominant the Sedins were in the three round against the sharks that like the shark. I remember at the time the Sharks were one of the best teams in the NHL by a landslide. I think they won. No, the Canucks won the Presidents Trophy that year. The Sharks had yeah. won years previous, and it was yeah, absolute dominant team. And the fact that the Canucks beat them in five games was mind blowing. And uh, led by the Sedins, it was a big thing. And um, yeah, it was unbelievable playoff run. So. Um, so we'll go. We'll go back to before the actual playoff so again scott touched on it vancouver won the president's trophy they had 117 points that season they went 54 19 and 9 uh 50 regulation and overtime wins uh the boston bruins they went 46 25 and 11 for 103 points which is still not bad but considering they went up against a team with 117 points is a little bit of a mismatch uh and the bruins had a three and one record against the canucks in 2010 2011 in the regular season by the way so I've played four times against them. That's a, that's a, I feel like that's a lot. Yeah, but remember at the time they it wasn't like the two games home and home. It was like you randomly play a series against yeah. you know a team, right? So sometimes you never played a team at all, and sometimes yeah. you played like yeah, it was, um, it was just different scheduling back then for sure. Also, that season Canucks had the most goals scored and the least goals allowed. Hmm. They were 
I mean, we were a powerhouse if you're uh, really talking about it. In I, was, I, I was gonna say, like, like Vancouver was legit. If we're being honest, like there was no team better than Vancouver. I don't think. Um, no, the Sedins were world beaters that entire season. Like Dan, Daniel had, I think it was 104. That was Daniel that season. I think I think Henrik had. I think Henrik was either the. I think it was the season before. He, I don't know. He won the heart. Right, but I forgot what season that was already. I think I think it may have just been the next season. So, yeah. I was gonna, season probably I think it was a season before, but I was gonna say, is that peak Sedin's regular season? Oh, those two seasons, yeah. Like that. Yeah. That I think. Stretch. I think I remember. Oh, sorry, you go. Sorry, that stretch where basically like they they switched from each other winning it, like where like Henrik had it at one point and then Daniel did like the R. Ross and stuff and all that kind of things. Like those were actually like the peak of the, the Sedinery. But um, no, that team, especially also this team, like they had uh, a prime Ryan Kessler, who I think I looked at it earlier, had about like 75 points. Yeah, had 41 goals. Like, yeah, yeah leading up to this. Yeah. I had 40 goals. <laughs> like he was – He's like what Ryan O'Reilly is now, but a much better goal scorer, essentially. Imagine that. And, I, well, I was going to say, I think the year before when he lost to the Blackhawks in the playoffs, I think that was Pete Kessler, because that was, I think, his best season. And I was, if I'm not mistaken, he had 80 points the year before. Uh, he had 75, and then the finals, we he had, or the finals year, he had 73, and that's the year okay. he won the, the, the Selkie. Okay. <laughs> Um, so paths, paths to the finals, uh, Vancouver, they beat the Blackhawks in seven games, Alex Burroughs slaying the dragon, uh, getting it done, um, with a slap shot of all things to be Corey Crawford, <laughs> rock star, uh, rock star in today's NHL, you get a slap shot game winner, which, I mean, I guess BX says with a slap shot too, but it was like yeah, a, a weirder, <laughs> that situation was insane. Uh, the Canucks beat Nashville in six games, which Speaking was kind of, Kessler. which was kind of a big deal with the Predators because that was arguably the peak of Nashville's existence up no. to that point. Maybe. Oh, to that point, yeah, yeah, up to that point. Because sure. obviously Nashville has made the Stanley Cup Finals since then. Yeah. But I was going to say up to that point, where was it Austin Watson who was having a good year that year? Like, I think he was draft. He was a rookie that year, and he was pretty sensational in the bottom six of that group. Shea Weber was having a really good year. That was. Prime Pekka Rene. Um, Let me see who their leading score was. Their leading score was David Legrand. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, he's fifth. There's there's a tie, and I think oh. one of <laughs> well, the, okay, the tie. It's fifty points. Both the leaders are both fifty points. Okay, was it Martin Erat? Yes, that's one of them. The, the other one, you oh. have fun. Like you guys know him, but you just start laughing when you out of this. It is Sergey Kostitsin. No way. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Full Kostitsin. Kostitsin, at Hornquist, Weber, Legwand is the top five of that team. And was it – are you sure it was – what's his name, Watson? I don't I, think I, it was Watson. I think it was Colin – I don't know. If Colin, Wilson, Colin, Colin Wilson also had a pretty good uh, check. Yeah, because I don't think Austin Watson was – I think he's like he's. I think he's only like twenty five still. I thought he would he wouldn't have been playing back then. Right. It just feels like Austin Watson, who's now at <laughs> Ottawa. It just yeah, he's Ottawa bottom six. Yeah. Um, and then also after the Nashville series, uh, the Canucks beat the Sharks in five games, which was probably the most surprising out of all of them. Was just the ease that the Canucks just beat the Sharks with, like Scott said. Oh, I know. Gosh, it's, man. Even going to the Shark Tank. And beating the San Jose Sharks, who yeah, no wore those intimidating black alternate jerseys all the time. Even I'm though lie, they they're kind of cool. They're the Sharks jerseys cool. honestly have been pretty nasty. Their whole like throughout, but, even the ones when back in the '90s when they were like just starting, like those were pretty sick too. But I like my my gripe with them was just the fact they would always wear like the black jerseys, even though they were considered an alternate jerseys. But like, well, why not but, wear again, your you, home? Why not wear your home jerseys? You look at like Arizona with their Kachinas, those were alternates one year and now they're their main jerseys. And Adam, I like I like that. They're, yeah. But they're also really nice. That's true. Yeah. And same with the shark. But anyways. Uh, um, so I was gonna say score that one. Uh that year. It was Marlowe, 73. Marlowe, yeah. Makes sense. That was Marlowe, Joe Thornton. Ooh, Joe Pavelski yeah. was there too. And Joe Heater. Pavelski. 
Danny Heatley was on that team. Yeah, that so was a really, that was a really interesting stretch for Heatley because he was on Team Canada at the Olympics yeah, before, yeah. and I mean, then he, he had got, sixty-five points. He's a good player on this team, like Cloak, Chur, Boyle, Boyle, Murray. Oh, Sorry. Doug Murray was was like the oh. best shot on defenseman. Or one of Doug Murray is like imagine just Uyghur right now, but like just just hits anyone. Yeah. Uh, I was well, and the other so the was Nabokov the goalie or was that me? I feel like that uh, was Nabokov. Niemi. Niemi, okay. So, I think Nabokov went to Islanders. Well, that was the thing with Niemi was that Niemi was with Chicago. And then yeah. he got traded over to San Jose because of he was a cap casualty, essentially. Uh, yeah, the thing is, he did not play well in the playoffs, from what I remember. He had a eight, nine, six. He, he Martin Jones did. He Martin Jones did. <laughs> the eight, nine, six Martin Jones. Let's go. Uh, Martin Jones has not had a, a great year by any means. Um, let's talk about the Bruins then. So the Bruins, they played their rival Montreal Canadiens. Uh, in round one with Nathan Horton getting the overtime winner. So it was kind of relative, like with Boston and Vancouver, where like Vancouver kind of slayed their dragon with Burroughs getting the overtime winner in game seven at home to beat their big rivals. Vancouver with Burroughs getting the big goal to beat their bigger, you know, biggest rivals. I I just thought that was kind of a weird coincidence, but it was also like really cool. Um the Bruins then defeated the Philadelphia Flyers in four games. That was the year after the Flyers went to the cup against Chicago. Uh, and they were right. okay. That was like the Michael Layton run the year before. It was more right. of a luck. I think they and got that to. was also the year that the Flyers came back from three games down. And I think they yes. beat, I'm pretty sure they beat the Bruins. I think you're right. That sounds yep, right. I, I was so happy. They beat the Bruins <laughs> and they came all the way back and beat them. <clears throat> I think in the game in Game Seven they were down three nothing too, and they won four three, which is like it was just like it just it was like perfect. Yeah. Uh, and then the Boston Bruins beat the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in this Eastern. I just remember Lecavier was go. He was trying, man. <laughs> he tried, dude. That I was gonna say that was a that was a weird series for myself where. Um, like obviously Boston was like the established team. They were really good. They were really talented. And then Tampa Bay was kind of like this young up and coming team with GM Steve Eiserman, who you knew yeah. there was something there, but they were maybe still, you know, a, like there were some steps away. Again, Hedman was a second year defenseman at that point. He was second year. Stamkos, I think, is only twenty. Stamkos is twenty. Yeah. It's just a mixture. I feel like of a lot of they got like Oland is thirty four. St. Louis was thirty five. Yeah. Rollison and Smith, like Smith's 28 at the time. He's not whatever he is now, but like Rollison's 41. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rolly the goalie was like one of like the coolest stories from that playoffs was like 41 years old. I think he was on the Edmonton team possibly yeah. when they went to the cup. He, he was, yeah. he was uh, yeah. he had a nine two four at 41 in the playoffs, which mm. is, and he had, I mean, he had a nine twelve in the regular season. So like you can't, the guy's a good goalie. And and then the Bruins uh, beat the Lightning with a Nathan Horton goal in Game Seven at the Garden in Boston. Um, so another dramatic moment, kind of like with the Canucks and BXA scoring in Game Five. Um, and now we reach the game that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, game One of the Stanley Cup Finals uh, that obviously the Canucks won one nothing. Um, fun facts from this game: uh, Rafi Torres scored the only goal of the game. With 19 seconds, 20 seconds left, 19 seconds left in the game. Um, this was the first shutout in 12 Stanley Cup Finals games for the Canucks up to this point uh, because they did not shut out the New York Rangers in 94. They did not uh, shut out the New York Islanders in 81, 82, their, origin, their first Stanley Cup Finals appearance. Um, the Canucks had more hits in five-on-five -five play than the Bruins did in this game. Uh, 28 to 27, and uh, Alex Burroughs bit Patrice Bergeron. That was, I thought that was game three. That's not, wasn't that was game one after game the one. first period. Oh, there you go. Let's go. I remember this game, game one, being an absolute goaltending war. And I remember like sitting, I think, I'm not sure if I was sitting either sitting on the couch or we were outside. I remember my dad brought the TV out and put it in. You guys, you guys remember my old place that had like the super big backyard? Yes. And we actually brought the TV outside and put it on like 
by the on the fire pit and we just sat around it right and um i remember that we were just on the edge of our seat every goal like lou lou and uh timmy timmy thomas were making unbelievably good saves and like back and forth and it was yeah it was nuts for sure so i put i put a question in here i, I didn't know if you guys were going to do any research but i put this question in. who had the most minutes of canucks players in this game uh bulldock uh victor oreskovich or jeff tambellini uh, I can't believe that's one of them. That's what that's what I'm thinking in my head. I <laughs> who, who, had, who, had, who, had, who had more minutes? Who had, who had more minutes of those? Oh, shit, I'm on the page. Sorry, uh, I didn't no, know. No, 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 no. You, you know? Okay. No, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know. I, I, who had the most? Who, who played I, more minutes? I re-watched the game yes. leading up to this. Like, I only finished watching the game, like, probably, like, 30 minutes before we started. And I, I feel like I've I heard Oreskovich's name. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna go with Tambellini. I'm gonna say Bull Duke just because he's a center, and I think there was a lot of penalty killing that game, and he's one of the main penalty killers. So the guy who had the most penalty or most time on ice that game was Jeff Tambellini with two thirty. Wow. Jeff Jeff Tambellini played two minutes and thirty minutes, uh, two minutes and thirty seconds of a Stanley Cup Finals game. Uh, Victor Oreskovich played a minute fifty four. <laughs> And then Bolduc played one minute and 39 of an actual Stanley Cup Finals game. <laughs> Is that like a shift? Like a really long? No, he had three shifts that game. That, that, yeah. That's he had three, three shifts points. and Oreskovich and Tambellini had four. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, that's, that's, that's literally it's insane how uh, Ham Hughes is like a gold medalist, like Canadian, and he played eight minutes and only had 11 he, shifts. Well, he got injured later on in this game. We'll talk, we'll ah, talk, that's we'll, talk, right. we'll talk about that later on. So between Torres scoring the only goal – the first Canucks Stanley Cup final shutout in history. The the fact that Bulldog, Oreskovich, and Tambellini got minutes in a Stanley Cup finals game. The Canucks had more hits. Which which fun fact do you like the most out of all of them that I've jotted down here? Which one do you like the most? <laughs> I mean, for me, I just think the ice time thing is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the 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 Hamus injury gave. Speaking of players that don't belong in a, okay, I'm not gonna. Should I make fun of this guy? Go, go for it, dude. Go for it. Uh, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, Andrew Albert shouldn't be in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't be playing in the finals, man. Like, is that is that too much to ask? I thought you were Andrew gonna go. Albert shouldn't be playing in the finals, man. I thought you were. I thought you were going to go with the Aaron Rome route. Well, I was about to say, yeah. But like the thing, oh yeah, I guess on top of that, Aaron. I mean, Aaron Rome got more ice time. That gave him more time to do what he did to fucking Horton. Uh, Aaron Rome almost got almost played twenty minutes in a Stanley Cup <laughs> Finals game. Uh, hey, I think he did. I think he did the other ones. They. I remember from watching the broadcast. They were saying that he got moved to the shutdown pair. Yeah, yeah, I remember that part too. He got he was like on the shutdown pair with uh, uh, with Yeah. yeah. yeah um, like... <laughs> so I'm calling this a penny for your thoughts. Just just something to think about. Uh, what if Rafi Torres isn't on the ice for the final 30 seconds of this game? Like the game the, goes to overtime. The, well, the, okay, so the game goes to overtime, but do the Canucks still win? Yeah, I think, I, I think yeah. we could still win. I honestly do like think we. Could I think they win game one. Actually, yeah, because I think from watching, yeah, my research, I did a lot of research. Yes. Uh, that um, the way that they were playing at the beginning, and obviously for certain stretches, but when they were going back and forth, the Canucks, I felt like the Canucks were so unlucky to only have scored one. And obviously, like yeah. a lot of games like that, to be because honest. Because Tim Thomas, obviously, yeah, he stood on his head. Like, that's the unlucky part. But the Canucks put so much more pressure, and they had to kill five on threes like all the time in that entire game. And so I felt like they had, they were unlucky to only get a one nothing win. Yeah. But from watching that game, I was Rafi Torres scoring. There were a lot of moments in that game where he, he was like kind of like skillful. And I was like, man, why does this guy actually have like use? That's why, <laughs> I, that's why I always liked Rafi Torres more than I ever liked Matt Cook. Just because Matt Cook yeah. actually, I didn't think he was good at hockey at all. But well, like, Rafi whole, Torres was, was actually... Like, Rafi Torres, so I searched it up. Because I was like, I felt like I knew this about him. And then this brought it up. In junior, he was like super prolific. 
Like he, he had a top five pick. The guy was like meant to be good. Yeah, he had he had ninety goals or not ninety goals, sorry, ninety points in like one of his OHL seasons and stuff. Like he was like really good. That's and like then, a lot of players. Though. Like someone like even Tom Wilson with Plymouth had like eighty points in his draft year or something ridiculous. Like he was a good player too. Again, really but I, I think I think Tom. Wilson as an offensive product was way more polished than like Rafi Torres. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I agree with you there. Yeah. And and is and, and, and is that guy to you know be a pest and yeah. to be an agitator to be an enforcer. I mean, but he's been good, and he's like, he I feel like it was a, yeah, he he was a good piece. I, I liked him that finals, and he's he's been to finals too, and he he's I think I think with Edmonton right like in 06. I think that's when he was at. I, I think he was on that team. But if he wasn't, like, he still had enough experience. The guy was in the league for 10 years. So I'm going to one-up everybody with Matthew Kachuk because that's, like, the ultimate version of what everybody expects out of, like, a Taurus, Tom Wilson type is, like, the Matthew yeah. Kachuk. <laughs> that's Brady, what I, yeah. Brady Kachuk uh, in terms of, like, skill and physicality. Um, for, my, for what it's worth, I think the Canucks probably win game one if – Torres isn't on the ice. If Elaine Vigneault is not giving Rafi Torres ice time in the last 30 seconds, I still think the Canucks are winning that game. I, uh, yeah, same. I, uh, I, I think game two, oh, I'm not talking about game two, but like we won so quick in that game. I feel like we could have done the same thing in this game. What if the Bruins had a functioning power play? So coming into this game, uh, MB, we, or at least Keith and I were watching the NBC feed. Um, five of 61 Bruins have converted five power plays out of 61 opportunities coming into this series for that's 8, awful 8.2 percent and they Claude went Julian. and they went 0 for 4 yeah Claude, Claude Julian moment and yeah. they went 0 for 4 in game one um yeah plays that's atrocious I mean, yeah no that is so bad because but then also I was when I was looking at the lines like guys like just like looking back at it now like Totally forgot about Nathan Horton and how good he was. Mark Recchi. Yeah, no, Mark Mark Recchi, like, talk about a dude who, like, was a, an impact player at 43 in this game. <laughs> On this series, dude, like, the playoffs as well. Yes. You have, like, a, uh, like, uh, you have the- Marchand coming in. You have a Bergeron that's good. He's not the, I mean, they kind of mentioned it a little bit, but, like, he was, like, Becoming the guy. Michael you know, Ryder played like, good. Uh, when he ever Michael used that. Ryder, Ryder, too. That was a good one. That, it, like, that yeah, wasn't, shit, wasn't like, Blake Wheeler on the Bruins at that time? No, he no. wasn't. Um, One guy I forgot, like, their defense was pretty stacked. They had, they yeah. got Cobberley. I forgot about that. That's that was that's what I think, like, also helped the defense, just getting someone as good as him. But Cobberley was a third-pairing defenseman on oh, that. Yeah, was, that's what I was saying. I'm like, this guy was, like, a number one defenseman on Toronto, and then yeah. he goes there, and this guy's a third pairing defenseman. Like this guy can play top minutes. And he's who were the pairing? Wasn't it was? I think it was what Seidenberg, Chara, Boychuk, Ferrance were. Yeah, were Adam McQuaid. Players? Adam McQuaid got Adam quite a bit McQuaid of too. Yeah, I think it was McQuaid, and then probably Coberley on the bottom pairing there. Right. Yeah. Like that's why I'm saying like <laughs> their defense was stacked. Yeah. Like they had again like Bergeron, Krejci, Ryder, and like all these guys played defensively. Lucic, Kelly. Also, Sedano uh, Chara was just in front of Roberto Luongo, like the screener, and, it, yeah. and it's just like good luck trying to like look past Sedano Chara. Um, yeah, that's that's just every time with Buffalo, and then it happened with Chara. Yes. Um, so, what if the Bruins had a functioning power play? Maybe this game, maybe the Bruins get a couple more goals. Maybe they get one goal. Uh, I mean. Bobby Lou was really good in this game too. So if the Bruins had a functioning power play, they would have probably whooped the other teams in the Eastern Conference. They wouldn't have gone to seven games against Tampa. It would have been an easier competition in the other games, in the other series. Sorry. What if what if Alex Burroughs doesn't bite Patrice Bergeron? I the penny for your thoughts with that is the fact that. This was a physical series, and I think that's what we liked, yeah. and or at least I enjoyed about this series, which is the physicality, and it was a war of attrition, and now things have changed quite a bit in, like, 10 years uh, since this finals has happened. But, I mean, if Burroughs doesn't bite Bergeron, do we still have the same level of physicality 
And do the Bruins still have like the same fight or aggression that they showed later on in the series? Um, I mean, they, they show like they, that was at the end of the first and it like, it already looked like, like, I remember one of the first couple shifts, Milan Lucic is like going like full beans at everyone. Like he's, he's already going a hundred percent, just like throwing it around there. And I think also then get to the ham Hughes hit eventually. In that, first, in that first period or in that second, second period? Pe- second period. That was after the Burroughs biting incident. Okay, yeah, that's after. But then, yeah, like, it, or, it all – like, I would say, like, usually most of playoff hockey, you get that, like, accumulation of physical play. And so then you kind of get that. But then I can definitely see that, like, it would have been, you know, kind of like your average – because obviously I felt like, you know, by, by that time there was no actual, like, rivalry them it was just like oh like the champion from the east faces the champion of the west and like that's just the you know that that's just how it goes but then yeah that kind of biting that makes it personal to do that kind of thing and then eventually later on you get throughout that first game one everyone's like basically like trying to kill each other on that ice that uh really set the tone for the rest of the series but yeah i guess yeah i would say yeah maybe wouldn't quite be the same in my opinion that same level a physicality that we saw looking back at it, but you know, well, I felt like it was already kind of established. But I think to the next like personal step, definitely with uh, without that bite, when had that same kind of edge. I was gonna say the Bruins were a physical team. The Canucks weren't really physical to the same level that the Bruins were, and then I think the Bruins were a little bit awestruck at the fact that one of the Canucks players bit one of their players. Yeah. And also the fact that the refs didn't do anything about it. I mean, I think they called a penalty on the play, but in terms of like a suspension or like some like. There was uh, no supplemental discipline. Yeah, there was no supplemental discipline. And that's when I, I also think the Bruins were like, well, fuck you guys. Like we would get, we would get penalized heavily if we bit somebody, but because it's Alex Burroughs of the Vancouver Canucks and he's like a, a key piece of their, you know, offensive equation. You, like, I, I, I still think the series is, is physical. I don't know if it has the same level of hate towards one another that they both did, but I still yeah, think like it's that personal edge to it. Like, Again, someone is pretty personal. Over, like, at this point, these guys are, like, it's again, like you said, in ER, one thing when you guys said it was just a war of attrition at this point. And you're, you're right. And I think it's very, it's still going to be a physical, it's still going to be a nasty series. But I think, like, you all of you mentioned, like, there's a certain notch that's taken higher where it's like, it'd be like, I don't know. There's other instances I can think of the Brad Marchand licking incident, like that sort of thing, or um, like a big blindside hit or something that just kind of shakes the whole series. That's then there's like penalty box shit. And even we can look at even as recent as the Rangers capitals shit, when Wilson threw down Panarin and then the next game, there was all this shit that happened. This is what happens in a game one. You set the tone for the rest of the series. So it's Yeah. It could have gone either way, but for sure. Um, no, you're uh, going to say you uh, It's even applicable to the Pavelski thing. Yeah, like, 100%, 100%. Yeah, like that, from what happened there and that little, like, set the tone for the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, leading to the great collapse. <laughs> oh, yeah, in 2019. Yeah, that that cross-check, yeah. And all that stuff. But, yeah, no, Rab, sorry. You were... Uh, uh, I'm just going to go back to the power play thing. Like, I feel like a lot, one, like, the, like you could argue the biggest reason is that they didn't have, um, they didn't have Savard because of the hit, the cook, Matt Cook yeah. hit. If he, if he plays, you don't, I don't know. Like he, he's old at the time. He's, I don't, I forgot what, like he's, at he, was least, in his like, thir- he was in his thirties. If I'm correct. Let me see. I, I have his age. It's 30. He's 33. Yeah. Like he's 33, but like Chara's that age. Thornton's that age. Like, like, they're in there. Those guys were already, those guys are still contributing at that age. Like Savard was still a good player to have someone as good, as good as him offensively would definitely have helped their power play. And I don't, you know, that like, I feel like if he played in the finals, well, I don't I know if the, we, yeah, I think Savard in that setup, I think the Bruins did, did an overload. I think he was kind of yeah. their trigger guy. I think he was their main like shooter on the team and kind yeah. of distributor. So it's again, a power play without that. It's hard, especially because the Bruins don't have, a lot of left-handed like 
puck driving players like Bergeron, Krejci, Horton are all really the only guy was Lucic. Like, I don't know if Recky can be doing that much right now. And Lucic isn't going to be the guy on the half wall on a power play yeah. in front of the net, right? So it's it's tricky when you lose a guy like that. But and that's probably why it was as bad and as in the Wheeler was on the team that year, but he was, he yeah, okay. traded to Atlanta. Right. That, that, if I remember correctly, that's a weird fucking trade tree, the Blake Wheeler trade tree. Uh, did I, he, did, uh, what's his name, make a video about it? I don't know if Dangle did, made yeah. a video. Did Dangle make a video about it? He might. Uh, it, it's, um, a weird, it's a weird trade. Like, if you go back and you look at all that was uh, a part of the Blake Wheeler trade, it was a weird right. trade. This is a bit of a sidebar, but I think the uh, Chris Pronger to Anaheim trade tree from Edmonton ended this year, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Something, no, it, yeah. Something it ended with, like, Either ended with Jordan Everly or Ryan Strom. Yes, that's uh, which which trade yeah. tree was it? The Chris Pronger to Anaheim. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. But the, uh, um, the the Blake Wheeler one is like a, a weird one. Yeah, that that trade was yeah. him and Mark Stewart to uh, for Boris Valbeek and Rich Peverly. I don't think Valbeek ever played for them, but I mean Peverly was an integral piece of the team. And they made that, tra- and there was like a couple draft pieces. I think that went one way, and yeah. the Bruins still won the cup after trading away Blake Wheeler. Yeah, I guess after that too, like Blake Wheeler, like really like turned it up though. Yeah, like that's when Blake Wheeler actually became like you know like a really like a star winger in the league. And let's not forget about the Bruins here. They drafted Tyler Sagan second overall, I, just the, yeah. the draft before, which I'm sure you yeah. have. Right. So again, the Bruins already were a good team, and they traded away Phil Kessel for a bunch of assets the year before in 2010, I believe it was, and they got they got him and Hamilton. Him and yeah, Dougie Hamilton as well. But Hamilton was like the year after. He was yeah, he came back. He came in the but, year after, but just in general, that trade worked that out. Trade was, oh, I think. Yeah, the Bruins won that trade in the landslide. Uh, another, uh, just a, another kind of penny for your thoughts. What if, uh, if Dan Hamus doesn't hurt himself, which we can talk about in, in the best moment uh, I, I thought of the game, one of the game, best moments, um, because he laid a really nice hip check on Milan Lucic, if you see in the second period. Um, he required groin, groin surgery after game one, forcing him to miss the rest of the series. If Hamus is healthy, are we talking about a different result here in the series? Uh, Not necessarily game one, but maybe in the I, series. I mean, he would, I think he would definitely steal. So obviously it went to, you know, how it ended. But like I was thinking it was just, he would definitely steal some games. I don't know if he's he can bring bring those losses closer or even change it because that was like a peak Hamus. Hamus was such a force and a presence on that back end. He was, I would say, Bieksa was like the vocal leader, but he was more like that lead by example kind of guy. And he was the best defenseman on that team. So I think 100% the series would have changed. I don't think it it even would have gone to seven games. Canucks would have won in at least five Uh, or six. um, I don't know. I, I still believe that. I don't know if Dan Ham uses your presence would just help us win a win like these eight one four nothing losses, right. but but I think in like I don't know I feel like I don't think he stops them I don't think he can he can stop them but like I guess like he is such an improvement over Andrew Alberts don't okay I'm not going to talk about him anymore I'm just going to get more mad <laughs> but like <laughs> I think I don't know if his presence alone. I just think that's just how hockey's played. I don't know. I've never played hockey, but from what I've seen, it's just, it's much more team-based than every, any other sport, like maybe football, but like it's, it's, you can't really win off the performance of one player most nights. Absolutely. I don't think think that Dan Hamus helps us win eight, one, these eight, one losses, those games, like those games, I don't think he can like physically just pull us out of like like we're not scoring like if we score then maybe but we're just not scoring and you know tim thomas i'm not going to talk about the pads thing okay but like he like he kicked their ass and like i don't think dan hammies really helps with that i think that was our main issue was the scoring we averaged 1.2 goals a game in the final yeah it's a good point actually it's bring up very good points yeah but I, I that's that's i guess playing devil's advocate to your guys's point about how hamis would have saved it I, I i do think that him over alberts is f- holy shit <laughs> don't it's, it's, i just hate i don't know i just don't like alberts or rome i didn't like him when i watched him as a kid and i don't like him still like yeah. from watching aaron rome's a great third career defenseman he should not play more than 15 minutes he doesn't need to be playing 20 minutes in a stanley cup final there you go yeah <laughs> um the next thing, 
before, sorry, before we get off this, Dan, I have a funny little anecdote. Yeah. First of all, off the back one performance, Rav, come on, Joel Kiviranta, the last fuck you, bro. Don't yeah. sleep. Don't sleep. <laughs> Anyway, I said that's why I said most times because like <laughs> yeah, you can get there's there's times in every sport where shit will ha- like shit happens, dude. Like that Joel Kiviranta, that is one of the like coolest moments. Of, uh, probably the probably the coolest moment of the bubble, I'd say. Like just that, like mm-hmm. that whole like the thing of the game seven. I really like the stars run. That uh, well, I mean, yeah. I guess the Demko's thing could be on top yeah. of the Kiviranta thing. Like, oh come on, come on, no, no, no. And Demko, I mean, don't even do this yeah. But no, no, but um, <laughs> um, at the time. I um that was happening like later on when I when I went when I was doing school in the city uh part of the hockey academy there they were they would take us to like off-ice training facilities and we went to one of them twists down in North Van kind of like near North Shore Winter Club and one of the trainers said that he worked with Dan Ham Hughes after that like after that whole thing happen and like trying to rehab him i guess eventually getting he would have to get surgery or mm-hmm. after anyways around that time but he was he was saying like yeah you saw lucic he's like what like 230 pounds yep. dan ham says no business hitting him so like i don't know why he did it it looked cool but i was like yeah <laughs> yeah sick. True. i was just like think about it like yeah the size of dan ham he's and how just how big milan lucic yeah. is and again, who knows what underlying injuries Hammy's had previously? Because he could have done like you know a slight groin tweak or what it could have, yeah. whatever it could have been. And again, that's a lot of weight and the momentum of it. It just yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah tough I, spot. But I just thought gonna, it was funny because he was. I'm like, gonna say like, the Predators jersey behind me is a Dan Hammy's Predators jersey. That's what I'm gonna call it now. <laughs> okay, but that's what it is now. It just, sorry for cutting off. Whatever it did, I just had. To say. Yeah, no, I was just saying it was a little funny. A little funny. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, how would you hit him? Like, like, why would you? So, I was, I was, anything else before we move on to the next? Uh, No, I was just gonna say, like, Ham Hughes just was is one of the most underrated like defensemen like of this generation, I believe. Like, he's one of the best shutdown defensemen. He played, he played for Olympic team. Like, the guy is a really good hockey player. I, I like again, I, I really like Mackenzie Weger. So, I, I, because he's a guy that like. I guess love of sports more offensive now than it was back then, but he he's kind of comparable to him, I'd say, but like with, with less of the hits. So that brings me to the next segment of the podcast, uh, which I am calling uh, the Dave Bolin best moments of the game. <laughs> Why is that? Is that because he scored? Because he's just because the best moment of Dave Bolin's like career was scoring the game winning goal. Uh, was it game winning or game tying against? Uh, no, against it, was, it was Bickle who scored the game tying one like thirty seconds before that, and like yeah. So again, Bickle Bickle was really good. Like I'm ha- like people are complaining about that contract he got. I mean, poor guy can't play anymore. But like you, people are complaining about that contract, and he's he was worth it just for yeah. his yeah. presence. Def definitely got signed. I mean, nice guy. I'm sure he's really cool. Oh yeah, he's definitely de- definitely got signed for what he did instead of what they were hoping he would do, like yeah. for the team. Uh, but I'm calling it the Day Bull and best moments of the game just purely because Day Bullen's best moment uh, was scoring the game winning goal against the Bruins in a Stanley Cup clinching game. Um, so the other consideration I had was uh, Max Talbot. Who scored two goals against my Detroit Red Wings in Game Seven at the, at the Joe? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think still like Flurry was. Do you think Flurry was MVP of that game, or was it Talbot? I think it was probably Talbot, if we're being honest, because yeah. I mean, I'm a masochist and I just hate myself. But also, yeah, I, I mean, might, I, talk I, about. I, sorry, I, I was gonna say I might switch it over to Talbot later on, but it's um, it's Day Bull in any way tonight because it's the. I think it's like an every week type change because like you know Talbot scored two in Game Seven. Fedotenko scored two in Game Seven. And all oh, four. that's a good, that's oh, a good yeah. one. That's a good one. You can, no, there's one. You can use that one. I think that we can just alternate every week. That sounds. That sounds. <laughs> that sounds great. From, yeah. Uh, so best moments of the game. I have a few. Uh, first, Hamus hitting Lucic with a perfect hip check, and oh, Milan Lucic not expecting Dan Hamus to go down whatsoever. <laughs> and like this was in front of the Bruins bench too, by the way. Like Hamus just like squared him up, got him with the hip check, and obviously he injured himself and he was out for the rest of the season, but just purely from like the best moments of this game, it was a one, nothing game. That was pretty like sort of, sort of a goalie battle, but in terms of looking for best moments, that was a pretty good one. 
Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Uh, that was followed up by uh, Lapierre taking down Chara in front of Boston's bench keep. I don't know if you saw that, if you paid close attention, where after the after like the little scrum that they had in front of the bench after the hit, Lapierre throws down Zidane Chara. Oh, I just uh, see it. Yeah, no, you got to go back and watch it. That's pretty uh, cool. Lapierre was a pest, man. He was a pest, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, God. Even on Montreal, the guy was a fucking annoying. I can't believe we got him. <laughs> Trade uh, uh, Then also, uh, I Scott helped correct me because I messed up the name, but Marshawn then checked the fuck out of Mason Raymond later on in the period. Yeah. I think like, because, because I think that was still brewing from this incident where Marshawn like absolutely just no, with no regard for human life, just cross checked the fuck out of Mason Raymond. I mean, that's a classic Brad Marshawn thing to do. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, oh, well, I was, I thought you guys, I thought you guys were talking about the low bridge. That what was did. that two against Sammy, against Sammy Solo? Yeah, there was that one too. Um, Mason Raymond as well. <laughs> I the, the the Raymond one stood out because that was just happened. That happened after the like low brouhaha that happened in front of the Bruins bench with the Hamlet's yeah. hip check. But also yeah. that's a good one on uh, on Solo. Yeah, that, that's a that, game. Whoever's doing game three is gonna have a good chat about that one. Or is it yeah. game four? Yeah, game three. Oh, game. There, there was there was another low bridge in that in that first game. <laughs> yes. Uh, awesome. Very yeah. good point there. Um, also, another best moment I have of the game, uh, I just thought BC Ferry's vacations getting a center ice board ad was really just fucking funny. The fact yeah. that the BC Ferries is promoting themselves in a Stanley Cup finals government and, and BC Ferries is shit. It's a government entity, probably. That's why. Well, oh, remember probably. Time, hey, remember the time crossing uh, crossing the, the uh, pond to the island really wasn't that expensive. Ten years yeah, I guess it was. Right? Well, it was cheaper. Uh, yeah. It was better. Um, but this is also yeah. their vacations where every year they promote like, hey, you should go to the Haida Gwaii for five hey, days. Hey, we'll be sitting on Haida now. Come on. Whoa. No, no, no. I'm not shitting on the Haida Gwaii. Haida Gwaii is cool. I'm shitting on the fact that BC Ferries is offering you a five-day, four-night vacation to Haida Gwaii where you really should be spending a week at Haida Gwaii. But if you go with BC Ferries, we'll make it much more cheaper and boring. Uh, that's why I just like – I just hate BC Ferries. This is nothing against Haida Gwaii, nothing against the <laughs> island. Uh, I just hate BC Ferries. Um, I think my my I think it's got to be Tim Thomas, man. <laughs> like the guy, and I know we they lost, but the guy is just a fucking beast. That was gonna be my next question. Was like, what's the best moment in this game for the Bruins? Uh, that's Tim Thomas, make, I think. <laughs> yeah. Tim, I think it's, I would say Thomas, Thomas right. making the save on Yannick Hansen's breakaway. That's I think a good it was. One. I honestly think it's, it's just Tim Thomas as an end general. Yeah. Tim, Tho- Tim Thomas was really fun to watch in this game. Uh, was this the year that Andrew Farron scored his first goal since 2003 and then like put up the middle finger to the Habs fans? I feel like that's right. I feel like he got <laughs> oh, right. I, feel I like, like got- I like the TNT thing. <laughs> they just googled Oilers captain and then they just put a Farron instead of McDavid on the on the touch. <laughs> Someone, that was so funny to me. Someone, uh, sidetrack here. Somebody, because um, obviously recently McDavid just scored his 100 point uh, in 53, the season in 53 games. And someone like fake t- took the Oilers graphic of him like promoting that he scored 100 points and they put Andrew Ferris instead of McDavid. They photoshopped Ferris <laughs> in instead of McDavid. Really <laughs> funny. Um, Actually, Canucks Damn, best. So- mo- Canucks' best moment in this game was the Rafi Torres goal. Yeah, Torres goal. Oh, yeah. If if Hammies didn't get injured, it would be that hit to me. That's a fair one. Uh, the next segment I'm calling the Steve Smith worst moments of the game because if you remember, Steve Smith was the Oilers defender who put the puck in his own net when he was trying to clear it. Against uh, the yeah, that one I think is much more changeable because next week it could be like Patrick Stefan or something. And the week oh. after that can be like – we can call fucking. We can all remember when Dan Boyle threw like from the corner, just threw it past the ball cover. I think it was the year oh, prior to this. Year. I'd also say the uh, Martin Brodeur own goal in 03. <laughs> up there too. Louis Erickson's goal in his first game as a Canuck. Oh yeah, Louis Erickson. We can't disrespect like goats like that. You can't. I'm, uh, I'm my my consideration. I'm going to throw out Vesatoskala, where he just <laughs> let up, let in a goal, 93 to. Behind yeah, no, feet. Yeah, I remember. Bad. What's another one? Oh god, I can't. I can't think of many right now. 
Um, I I just going back to the segment. I just put in there like Dan O'Rourke's even up uh, penalty. I put goals, but it meant penalties uh, in the second period where he went. They went from like a Seidenberg knee, which was Neen. I think it was in the Canucks zone. Uh, Seidenberg was called for Neen. Uh, Rich Peverly hook, which was like kind of weak, but like he kind of did hook him. And then uh, Burroughs got called for a tripping penalty, which was like also kind of like, a, eh, okay, fine. I guess if you're going to call that. Uh, yeah. This was like, I, I put that in there because now in this 2020-21 season, uh, we've been discussing refereeing and ref, you know, penalties and all this bullshit uh, has been a topic of conversation. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any, like, I don't know what the Canucks' worst moment of the game was, with probably Hamhuis getting injured. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely easily. that, I would say. Yeah. Um, that's another one. I feel like just the, the scoring chances, man. Yes, yeah. like, there wasn't chances. a lot that happened that game in terms of, like, events. Like, okay, the Hamhuis injury, yes. The Rafi Torres goal, yeah. yes. But outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot that really, like, was eventful in the game that made a bad moment or you know right so it's very yeah i would agree with ralph there it's like the the scoring chances yes but the lack of them not going in i think that was probably the worst moment for the canucks um the fact that uh Bolduc played one minute 39 uh, that was his been... only minute he played in the entire finals yeah that that might have been a worse moment um yeah. for the bruins I, I guess you go with um the, the, the goal that that stinks when you give up a goal with less than 20 seconds left in the game. And that's the game winning goal that stinks. Um, they, they kind of got bullied in this game. They, they, they kind of got like abused and, and manhandled by the Canucks. Well, remember they came out flat and let's not forget that Canucks had like a couple days off. Cause they played five games and t- Bruins had a pretty t- tough seven game series yeah, against Tampa. Series. They had to fly across the country to play this game and they were probably pretty bad. So I'm honestly not that surprised that they kind of got thrown. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't even, I would probably just go with that. Um, um, from what I was saying at the very beginning, yeah, the way that the Canucks were playing right off the bat and like in their home building, like everyone's gassed up that like they were so unlucky to have only scored one for the Canucks. Like was, there's a lot of times where I feel like we could have scored. I think even the four nothing, like the second would we lost four nothing twice, didn't we? In this year, like the yeah. I think the first four nothing loss, I think we put up like forty shots that game. But you just you can't if you can't score on them, man. Yeah. Got to score on them. That's the thing. Um, Roberto Luongo stopped all thirty six shots that the Bruins put on him, yeah. and and then Tim Thomas stopped thirty three of thirty four. Uh, I did figure like the worst one, like the Bruins were abuse, like not abuse, but like. They were outmanned by the Canucks. Oh, yeah. I think, like, 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 offensively, defensively. I mean, the goaltending was like pretty much a wash. Like, obviously, Thomas gave up the one goal, um, and then physically too. Like, the Canucks just beat up on the Bruins really, really, like, not really badly, but like you could tell, you could tell who got punched in the mouth in game. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. The, the final thing, final segment I have written down, uh, Pierre Maguire, NBC Mike Checks. Oh, uh, I only found one that was really awful. Like, re- like, it was actually, I thought, for the most part, a fairly decent, like, called game because it was, I, I, we watched on the, or at least, like, we watched, I had the NBC feed lined up with Doc Emmerich, uh, Eddie Olchick, uh, uh, Pierre Maguire between the benches for some reason. And Waste, he, why is any between the benches? That's why that's why NBC is. That's why I know NBC four. Uh, so in the three thirty in the second period, left in the second period, uh, Aaron uh, Abraham McGuire says, "Quote: Aaron Rome not used to playing against top end players like this." End quote. Oh uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember and then, that. And then the, the Eddie Eddie old chick with the follow up, not very mobile, and that's it. That was like the one, like a really egregious, yeah. funny. Well, they actually, they actually <laughs> violated Aaron. Rowe. I mean, fucking fair. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because they weren't even wrong. Like, like they, they're actually no, just wrong no. About that was that's true. But there's probably some even better mic cuts, like in games three and four, when Rome yeah. and like Albers are getting absolutely walked by the Bruins. So you know. I, I, I just figured because like hockey's 
for the most part, a fairly conservative sport and we don't like to trash players. We like to, you know, try and keep things professional and we try and, you know, like to keep things neat and tidy. The fact that Pierre Maguire and Eddie Olchek went out of their way to just like slander Aaron. Yeah, it doesn't Rowe. really happen much in commentary, does it? No, it doesn't happen. Unless you're much. like, it's, unless it's, you're like Jack Edwards, really. Like it doesn't really happen because it doesn't happen. On, <laughs> no, but like it doesn't happen on national broadcast, is what I'm no. saying. Like, that's, that's, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> like, like CBC, like Jim Houston and Craig Simpson are not going to be saying anything like that about any player. No. And yeah. then the fact that like NBC, I don't, I don't even think there's any like Vancouver or Canadian or Canuck like like anti whatever i think they just like both saw aaron rome a probably in the lineup and they're like oh god this is not good and then play he's just not i mean he isn't mobile he he's not a he's like a very below average shutdown defenseman he'd be decent like temp like in 2000 like the early 2000s when yeah physical play was at a premium he would he would be like a a decent third pair scott stevens there are the guys that bought like a top four fringe defenseman okay well (laughs) let's be real scott stevens is unbelievably physical and one of the most yeah that era i'm just saying like in that era like yeah would be like Rome would Rome. be a, like a fringe top four, like, yeah. but like, I don't think he's even a top six in this era. Like, Rome was born period. too late. That was the problem. That, that yeah. was the problem with Aaron Rome. The Rosen uh, moment right there. The Rosen yeah, exactly. Moment. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, again, Aaron Rome not used to playing against top end players like this because he's replacing hand use. Uh, not very mobile, said Eddie Olshek. Uh, that was, again, I'm saving that one for more like the game, like the, like the games in Boston. Because yeah. you know that's going to be really – like when Schneider replaces Luongo, that, that's going to be really fun. Um, anything else that, – like that's all I have written down. That's all I have uh, for game one of the Stanley Cup – 2011 Stanley Cup Finals, the last great Stanley Cup Finals. It, um, it was called Rogers Arena back then, right? No, it was GM Place. Was it GM was Place it GM back place? then? Let me see this. I, I feel like it was like the first year it changed to Rogers. Oh, maybe you're right. Cool, because it was – because it was gym place before the Olympics, and then the, uh, the Olympics they called it Canada Hockey Place, and then it might have kept it for another year or two, and then um, they switched it over. No, it's 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 Rogers Arena. It is yeah. Rogers. Okay, it is yeah. Rogers. Okay, cool. Um, um, I guess I could argue your statement that it's the <laughs> I could just argue the whole purpose of the series that it's the the greatest. All right, like, go 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 for it then. I I mean I'm curious because here so here's my I'll just give my premise for why I called it the last great Stanley Cup Finals. Okay. This was the last. This, this went seven games. This was very physical. This was a very intense series. Um, we had stars in this, not actual Dallas stars, but like we had this, like stars to promote the series with with uh, the Sedin twins, uh, with Chara, Bergeron, Marchant, like Tim Thomas, Luan. We had guys we could promote this, and people would be interested in tuning in to watch. It was also a Canadian team versus American team in the finals. That was also a, a Canadian team is involved, which is really yeah. cool, especially because the Canadian a Canadian team hasn't won the cup since 1993. Um, also, just when you get a. when you get a big city like vancouver obviously vancouver's not going to do great for u.s tv ratings and americans don't really care about the canucks or vancouver but just when you have like vancouver like a big city getting involved like this it's really cool uh outside of when they riot which we'll talk about after game seven but that's why i refer to it as the last great stanley cup finals because i don't think we've had anything like it i guess i I was gonna argue i guess i think that like that sense your argument's definitely like is over mine like you 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 won the argument already but i was gonna say 2019 was a really good stanley cup final too yeah i I think i really think the blues the whole story of that the franchise and like binnington and just like o'reilly becoming like really becoming like a a superstar kind of thing and all that stuff like i remember just like everything was everything was going well and like they're the defensemen like they're playing amazing like edmondson played fucking great pareko was a stud like they're like all those guys just played fucking amazing up until and like, Bomeister were a top like an elite defense yeah player. fucking Bomeister. i'm happy he got one too because he deserved yeah. one more than probably yeah. anyone the fucking league did True. um but like all those there's like a bunch of like veterans on that team like bozak maroon who like yeah. like maroon's from there too so like every like there's so many stories like i feel like yeah. that like and just going to game seven and like 
And it also helped that like Marsh had, had a shitty change and that shitty change ended up yeah. being the game winning goal. <laughs> so I, I fucking hate Marsh. So I like that too, but yeah. I don't know. I think the Bennington story and like just all the stories that came from that is, was really cool. Um, that's, I don't, I see what you mean. <laughs> that for, every, for, for everything non-hockey related, I think this is why yeah. this was the last great Stanley cup finals. Yeah. Um, in terms of hockey, like actual hockey play, the Kings Rangers was really good. I, yeah. I thought the the, yes. the, the, the Blackhawks, um, who they played, they, they, they beat they played the lightning. They played the, that one wasn't as good. I thought the Bruin, the Chicago Boston series was, yeah. was good. Um, Pittsburgh Nashville was kind of interesting for some of the hockey reasons, but in terms of all the like non-hockey reasons, I think the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals was the last great Stanley Cup. Uh, speaking in 06, the game the game-winning goal uh, in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final, Carolina versus Edmonton, was uh, Fran to set Caberlet. Yeah, that's one I haven't heard in a while. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, um. Keith, anything, any last words before we end here? Or any thoughts on game one or maybe future games that you have, you know, that you're going to keep an eye on for the I rest mean, of the series? I mean, yeah, like just from, just from game one, like now watching it and kind of obviously knowing the outcome, but like watching it back, it really did feel like that was the Canucks gear, especially to, to see yeah. Dragon Slay moment the the Bexta moment, the President's Trophy, like it it was all going so well for the Canucks, and then you see that first game, and you're like, oh, I mean, obviously, you know, one nothing. It was a, you know, you'd want to score some more goals, but like if you think about it, it was just like you're getting all this positive momentum going into this series, and you find you get a game one, and you're like, oh, guys, it's happening. This is it. Three, three, three more, three games, more games, yep. three more games. It's like then yeah. game two happens and you get that and like it just, yeah, it, 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 it's like such a down the moment. That's why I was like, I was like, fuck, do I even really want to get on this? Because it was such a like good moment for a franchise and just all kind of just like went yeah, down. I, I think, and I think after, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, um, but game, but going back to the San Jose series, uh, they had won. Like, or even go back to sorry, go back to Nashville, they had won like nine of their last 10 games with, I think they won game like five and six against Nashville. I forget what game they lost against San Jose, but they won four of those, obviously. And then they won two games against um, the Bruins before game three, obviously. So I think they're on an absolute tear through that. Yeah, like- to your guys' point about the momentum, and it was disappointing how, obviously, we know how it ended now, but the fact is, there was so much going for the Canucks and everything was on, like seemingly the pressure was on and it got to them in games three and four, as we will discuss later. So, um, but yeah. I, I was going to say with that, it, it, after the Burroughs goal, you could sense that the Canucks had this renewed energy and spirit about them. And I think that's like that with sort of any team or any sports team when um, you, you have these moments of like destiny of like these things happen and like it's just part of this magical run that you go on i would compare that to the kuznetsov goal in 2018 in round two when he scored that to me that's yeah that example screams that right there and like you could feel the caps on the stanley cup that with that goal you just what i thought it was with the burrows goal (laughs) like i feel like i think that point like like you know, once you get by that team, the team that's shit on us for three years, like yeah, true. fucking Patty Kane just sliding around the ice, fucking us, and then just doing the heart celebration and all that for like three years straight. It's one fucking painful. Sellies, by the way. Huh? One of the coldest sellies. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, like, like on the knees. Well, that is, you know, it's it. so hard, like, because that's when I started watching hockey, and it's just like, it was so hard to watch this guy yeah. consistently shit on us. And then to have, they also have fucking Taves and Bufflin, who was playing forward at the time. Keith like, and Seagrove, too. Yeah. I still, honestly, I get, like, a little bit of PTSD when I listen to the Chelsea Dagger song for the, the block. I can't listen to that song. It's terrible. <laughs> it's I, I, I can't I like, listen to the Green Day song anymore. Well, I mean, I don't listen to Green Day like that, but, like, I can't even, like, hear it without yeah. trying to be a 2011 and just, like, because it's such, like, a perfect Canucks song. I felt like that, like, games, like, people didn't like it, but I liked it. 
Yeah. I, I hate Green Day. I don't, even as a Red Wings <laughs> fan, I don't even mind, I don't even mind Chelsea Dagger, but um, no, you just have You're those. Not a real mo- Red Wings fan, then big guy. <laughs> I've learned to just love <laughs> hockey, but the thing, like just in general, it doesn't have to be one team specific, but specific. But we also talked about moments like when Kane scored the overtime winner against LA, and like the one yeah. T, the one T, like in 2013, I think it was. Yeah. Like we just have these moments. New if he scored, or that the Philadelphia. That was a Philadelphia. This one was a different one. It was like on a I, two on one, right? Yeah, I mean, two, the two on one where they t- joke. I think it was either Taves or Seabrook who like. Oh, you looking, said the it was yeah. Taves yeah, to the Kane. Kane Taves to Kane, that. where Taves was apparently looking at the uh, 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 boards. He was looking at the glass, like seeing where Kane is. That's apparently the thing that people were saying. That was the alleged thing. Anyways, um, the other thing I, I want to mention before we go. Game one had fans in attendance. And for us, we like, as of recording this, I mean, obviously some fans have been in attendance in various sports. I think like all of, I think every American team has fans in attendance now. I think so. So I was going to say in just in sports, there's, it's, you know, a mixed bag of how many fans are going to games and whatnot and who's all attending. Um, I don't know if it was, all noticeable in game one because it was just a one nothing game and but you could tell when the crowd gets excited when there's a big save or a scoring opportunity and i'm really starting to come around on that and miss that again of just like fans and people and just energy and buildings especially when it comes to a playoffs and a a finals like that i mean just yeah it's there's just nothing like it and there's nothing like it that's um like like watching like like Florida and Texas examples right here where they're having full stadiums of people, but like just UFC where Bruce Buffer just like, he can, he can say it's time. And like it, the whole arena erupts. And then like yesterday in the Canelo fight where Michael Buffer's like, it's, it's, it's ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. And there's 75,000 people like just that, like just cheering, like, you know, like that's just like perfect. I feel like it, like, it's so much worse without fans. Like the Jake Paul, I mean, it's Jake Paul Ben Askren first off. So it sucks anyways, but like, <laughs> you know, like Michael Buffer two weeks ago had to do that. And then two weeks later, he's in front of 75,000 people and so much more electric when he's in front of 75,000 people instead of zero. Well, yeah. I was going to say, and in the 2020 playoffs, when, um, Kerry, uh, Kerry, uh, Kerry uh, what was his name from Dallas who scored the game winner in, in overtime? Like, um, what's last year? Yeah, oh, last Denver, year. Kiranta or okay. Kiranov? Yeah, like, I can't, I'm, it's been so long. I need to update my names, but like, just those type of electric goals, or even, even the Stamkos goal, even the Stamkos nah. goal in the finals last year, where Stamkos played one, two shifts in, in yeah. one game and he scored yeah. a goal a beautiful shot over Kadovin and Damkos is fucking sick man and, 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 it's, yeah. and it's just like that's an awesome moment and that would have been even better if there was fans in attendance to see that and be a part of it and fortunately there's fans in 2011 oh, could so you imagine if they're fans for that Anthony Davis shot in the, in the bubble last year day yeah like just stuff like that where it's just like you wish there was fans uh in attendance to see these like, moments and and make the energy and make the moment feel greater um any final words any other final thoughts before we head out here and, and call it a wrap on episode um, one i was gonna try and find i mean i know kessler won the selkie in 2011 but i think i saw that i don't know i couldn't see i can't find it anymore the page but i think i saw like lubomir vishnovsky was like someone got voted as the as a i don't even know what it was it was like I think it was Lady like heart. No, he got he got. I think he got a heart vote, or it may have been Lady Norris. Man. Maybe a Norris. Hopefully. Well, he he definitely got a bunch of Norris votes, but I think that's all. But I hope that's all because he had a he had like seventy points that season. And wasn't he on the Ducks that year? Yeah, he was on the Ducks. Let's go. I, I think Corey Perry won the heart in twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really think <laughs> that was a that's his voter fatigue. Like Sedin really should have won it just because his brother won, and they, I guess people yeah. didn't want to give it to him. Yeah, um, like, I just think it's a cool. And I like, just remember. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you, I I don't have I, did, I just remember thinking at the time though, like <laughs> you got past Chicago in seven, and then Nashville in six, and San Jose in five. I'm like, 
Uh, yes, I had that thought too. Boston, and it's like, like two games you're already in, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, I'm right." <laughs> I've fucking it. did it. The patterns, I see these things. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I know. I know numbers. I can you know predict this. Yeah, I am. I am Rain Man. Uh, I guess that was the point. And this also, I forget. Dennis Seidenberg is probably like the best German player of all time. Maybe Marco Sturm. Ooh. At that, point, yeah, at, 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 at that point, you're saying at that point, okay. Yeah, at that point, like I mean, you, I mean, if you're gonna be on it, well, if you're gonna be like all about it, like I guess Heatley was born in Germany, so I mean, yeah, like <laughs> so like, I guess he's it, the best. Wasn't Christian Erhoff German? He, yeah, he was German yeah. too. Uh, apparently, Grabo- Grabowski was German, or he born in Germany, but oh, he so played Grabowski's Belarusian, isn't he? Yeah, but he plays. For Wasn't there like a sneaky good Belarusian team in the Olympics with like the Kuznetsov brothers? Well, yeah, you just got the Kuznetsov brothers, and then you got a bunch of KHL guys in there too. Yeah, N- uh, not Nick Antropov. He was uh, from Kazakhstan. He was Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan yeah. Um, nice. But dude, Germany has a good fucking team now. They got they got the goalies. They got Grice and Grubauer. And Grubauer. They and got like all the their forward group's pretty nasty too. Fuck, who's the draft pick I'm thinking of? Like, I know, like, Stuttgart. Sider. Uh, there's Sider. There's also Sider. There's Paterka one more. from Buffalo. There's Paterka. also Michael, Michael fucking Chicago. He's sick. Yeah. Paterka's sick. I watched yeah. it. Yeah. Michael's right. pretty uh, nasty, Michael. too. Dominic Ball. Dominic All right. Ball. Yeah, true. All right. We're getting off topic with the, with the German hockey <laughs> conversation. But <laughs> thank you, uh, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you to all three of our Yes, Rav, Keep, Scott for coming on and doing this. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, we will have episode two uh, coming out shortly. And hopefully you tune in for that and you listen to that as well. Uh, thank you again. And this has been episode one of the last great Stanley Cup Finals, uh, a, a recap of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals. So thank you very much for listening. Peace out. <laughs>